0: plan for your life you know where you want to go Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success birds, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star the Star You Are. The party starts now.
1: Do with Star. Star Style. it with So it is Star Style time. Hello, Power Partners. It's our informational playground, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are brought to the airwaves under the species of Be the Star You Are charity. And I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America empower- Empowerment Channel. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by be org, and we just wanted to remind you that this week is Earth. Uh, the Earth Gratitude Festival starts on Friday, April 22nd and 23rd. You can find more information at EarthGratitude.org. And this Miracle Moment was an old farmer's prayer, and the author's unknown, but Since I am a farmer's daughter and a farmer myself, I thought it was kind of very appropriate. Time just keeps moving on. Many years have come and gone, but I grow older without regret. My heart and hopes are in what may come yet. On the farm, I work each day. This is where I wish to stay. I watch the seeds each season sprout from the soil as the plants rise out. I study nature, and I learn to know the earth and feel her turn. I love her dearly in all the seasons, for I have learned her secret reasons. All that will live is in the bosom of earth. She is the loving mother of all birth. But all that lives must pass away and go back again to her some day. My life, too, will pass from earth. But do not grieve, I say, there will be more birth. And when my body is old and spent and my soul to heaven has went, please compost and spread me on this plain so my body, Mother Earth, can claim. That is where I wish to be. Then nature can nourish new life with me. So do not, for me, grieve and weep. I do not leave. I only sleep. I am with the soil here below where I can nourish life of beauty and glow. And that kind of reminded me of Robert Frost's um, poem, do not stand by my grave and cry. I am not here. I did not die. But I like the fact that this one is really talking about Mother Earth and and how we all will turn to compost. Because in today's show, we're going to talk about some spring shopping, whether you want to get seeds or starts. And that'll be coming up in our first segment. In segment two, well, we are discussing can your diet ease chronic pain? And although it's not completely understood, the connection between what you eat and the pain you feel is real. And perhaps sticking to a healthy Mediterranean diet that's uh, well—is linked to lower levels of inflammation, but that's not all. So we will give you some of the studies that are from Harvard and from other medical institutions. And in our final segment, what is the metaverse, who's gonna design it, what is it gonna look like, will it serve humanity? What is our virtual reality going to become? Will structure, materiality, and cost be important? We're gonna look to the future of not viewing content, but actually being in the content. So you'll wanna stay with us all the way through segment three. So a couple of announcements Um, this Saturday. April 23rd at 12 noon Pacific, we have an Irish magician who will actually be in Ireland and via Zoom doing a free magic show for families, friends. It's a very family friendly 40 to 45 minute presentation. So if you are interested, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org and you have to sign up. Because um, you can go to events and you can see where it says the magic show. And then our volunteer will send you a Zoom link. So I think it's going to be really fun. I haven't seen a magic show in a really long time. And, you know, I I just I love the Irish lilt, the Irish brogue. And so I think it should be a, a fun time. And then again, as I said, the Earth Gratitude Festival is coming up this Friday and Saturday. We have a lot of promotions going right now and I am part of it as well as two of our express yourself teen reporters, Sharanya and Ruhani, and we are joined by such luminaries as the Dalai Lama and Prince Charles and Jane Goodall, who I just really adore, and Elon Musk, and Deepak Chopra, and Guy Finley, and, and Sia is the, the musician on it. So it's going to be a really great time. Um, we all have films in, that were accepted into the festival, so we're very proud to be participating in this international festival. So go to earthgratitude.org. They're giving away lots of freebies, And you'll be able to get things, you know, um, all the way through the end of the festival. And then there will be actually more later. So check it out, earthgratitude.org. Well, Leo Toystoy in Anna Karenina said, spring is the time of plans and projects. And I have to say, no matter how many springs I've encountered, I am forever awed and amazed at the bursting of blossoms and the beauty of the lush landscape. Every year, I find myself reiterating how much I adore this wondrous season Ah, spring. A fever warms the air. You know, one that encourages me to weed, seed, feed, plant, and plant. Are you feeling the same kind of urge to indulge in all kinds of outdoor projects like I am? Well, before you go to your local nursery or your garden center to shop, I really suggest that you take photos of your yard and your patio because you want to make a tentative plan of what projects you would like to tackle. And then before you go, you know, peruse a a garden catalog, a flower catalog, a plant catalog to find photos and descriptions of plants that you think will shine in your garden. Do you want to buy seed packets or are you planning on buying starts? It really pays to know what plants grow best when seeds are scattered or what plants will do better when they are purchased, either in six packs, flats, gallons or larger. Now, when it comes to sowing seeds, it is possible to buy seeds for almost any plant. However, not all seeds will sprout successfully. And over the years, I have found the following uh, flowers, herbs, and vegetables will do well when planted by seeds. And those flowers would include calendula, hollyhock, marigold, nasturgium, nigella, zinnia, sunflower, cosmos, bachelor buttons four o'clock columbine california poppy shasta daisy and coneflower now when it comes to vegetables and herbs the best ones that to plant by seed that i i again i find they do really well and they're easy and it's also good for kids would be uh, beet radish arugula swiss chard kale carrot bean pea lettuce spinach sorrel corn, turnip, mustard, pumpkin, chive, parsley, chervil, chamomile, dill, fennel, cilantro, lemon balm. And, um, yeah, I did say chamomile. Okay. And I have planted all of those. In fact, I think I have uh, mentioned on my show that my arugula, which I love arugula. I love arugula and beet salad. I just think it's just the best with like goat cheese. Um, The seeds, when I was collecting seeds this year, uh, somehow the wind blew them and I have an entire path of arugula now. So it just really grows great. So it's better when you think about that you can just spread some seeds and then you could just have ongoing, just keep cutting them and cutting them. Now, other than cherry tomatoes, I have never had success growing tomatoes from seed. And the only cherry tomatoes I've had success with or those that I had planted a cherry, uh, a cherry tomato plant and went out in the garden and ate the uh, cherry tomatoes right off the, uh, off the plant, you know, with like a piece of basil, and then I spit the seeds in the garden and it grew. <laughs> but that was a long time ago, and I haven't had that success again. Uh, Cucumbers, zucchini have done better in my potages by sowing starts. And most weeds are spread by seeds, including that pretty small herb, robert geranium. The aroma of this lime green weed with the tiny pink petals, it's pleasing, but it needs to be pulled out as soon as possible because it's invasive. And then there's a cover crop that I seed in fall, which is vetch. Now, um, deer and cows and goats really like vetch. But, uh, and it fixes nitrogen in the soil and it's good in both sunny and shady locations. It is a member of the pea family. However, it is toxic to humans. And if not managed properly, you're going to spend so many hours untangling it. And then you have to dig it in the soil for it to fix the nitrogen. I have been doing that for the last couple of weeks because I have way too much vetch and it just twined everywhere. Now, before you depart for the nursery, You need to write a list of what you are seeking and know that once you arrive, your shopping dreams might take a really deep detour. You're going to be tempted by the magnificent selections the nursery offers, and it's up to you to know the conditions of your landscape. You know, where is it sunny? Where is it shady, rocky, moist, dry, flat, hilly? Will you be planting in containers or you're going to plant directly into the ground? you need to pay very careful attention to the tags on the plants you are considering. They provide an enormous amount of useful information that can help you determine if the plant is gonna be correct for your garden. And if there's one of those Q codes, if you know how to scan it, usually you can find out additional instructions. And here's the big thing. Buy only what you can put in the ground within two or three days. Because you really don't want your new purchases to remain in pots longer than necessary. I am so guilty of doing this when every time I go to the nursery or garden center, because I just love plants so much, I get so excited by these new arrivals and I end up buying way too many. And then I can't get them in fast enough because I have so many other obligations So it's better to buy a few things on your list and then make it multiple trips back as you need them, unless you think that there's a sale or the plant's not gonna be there or something like that, or if you have help. I just don't have the help, so (laughs) I have to do it myself. Another important tip is to determine the container size of each flower, herb, vegetable, shrub, or tree that you will purchase. If you are a person that demands instant gratification and you don't want to wait for a specimen to grow to its full potential, or you don't have the time to let the plant grow, then you need to buy the largest container. Now, you're going to pay a premium, so know that up front. But perhaps this purchase could be worth the extra cost to you because you're going to have immediate coverage and an immediate garden. Now, on the other hand, if you are the patient type, as I am, I really am patient when it comes to planting, because I know that the size that things are going to grow. And as long as time is not of the essence, then purchase the smallest container, it'll be way less expensive. And with time, your plant will be as large or larger than ones available in the larger sizes that you purchase. Now with annuals, you know, I might backtrack on that. It might behoove you to buy larger sizes. Uh, I'm a big fan of buying six-packs. And when I really want to cover an area, I like to buy flats. And when I do that, you know, the plants are really small, but they do just really, you know, they, they do really um, great if, as long as the, you have good soil. So when buying a shrub of any size, look for full and dense leaf formation, Plant health is really important. The pot should not be root-bound, and healthy roots are white. They're not gray, and they're not mushy. So look for healthy roots. Now, I learned a really important lesson in planting trees many years ago when I was designing my backyard. As a central focal point, I had visited... um, Uh, Louisiana and I fell in love with magnolia trees. So I wanted to have a magnolia tree that boasts those beautiful big white blooms that attract pollinators. And I wanted that to be my focal point. So I bought the biggest tree that I could find. It was approximately 10 feet tall. It was in a huge container that was so heavy. It took three people to manage it. And I can't remember what it exactly cost, but I remember I paid a fortune. Um, but at the time I felt the cost assured me my desired outcome. Now that same week, my mother gave me a six inch tall sapling in a quart pot and thinking that it would never become a large tree, or if it did, it would take, you know, a hundred years or something. I planted it at the back of my garden. Within three years, both trees were the exact same size. And now, three decades later, my mother's magnolia gift is double the size of my original magnolia purchase. Both are beautiful, but the free sapling is magnificent. It is really dramatic. So I think that's a lesson in Sometimes it's just better to wait. <laughs> and, it, and that one was completely free. So uh, this spring, we have spectacular spring showers of flowers. They're highlighted by tulips and wisteria and bluebells and azaleas and flowering trees and the fruity fragrances of lilac and hyacinth and jasmine. So, you know, pick a bouquet from your garden and just celebrate the beauty of spring because no matter Whether you spring into spring with seeds or starts, you just have to do it. And just a note on wisteria, a lot of people have asked me, can you plant the seeds of the pods of wisteria and grow a plant? And the answer is absolutely, yes, you can. However, no, it'll take a minimum of seven years for that plant to actually get a flower. So again, for the most part, I am just a big, 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 um, I, I like to, I like to buy plants as opposed to seeds, except for the seed plants that I just told you, because I find that seed packets these days are quite expensive. They're no longer 59 cents or a dollar. They're more like you know, four to five dollars a seed pack, and when you open them, this, there's not very many seeds inside, and sometimes the seeds are so small you can't scatter them at all. So my feeling is, um, just use seeds for things that grow easily, and then buy plants. Well, you are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America uh, Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. I wish you happy gardening, happy growing, and please keep standing in solidarity with Ukraine. What's happening in the Ukraine right now, perpetrated by that criminal Putin, is just beyond belief. I hope that something can be done with him and his company of, uh, of criminals. Okay, we'll be back in a bit, and we're going to talk about how perhaps changing your diet can ease your chronic pain. Stay with me.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be the Star You Are, 99 gifts, and Be the Star You Are for teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. now back to the power party. This business of.
1: Well, it has been said that you are what you eat and that is definitely true when it comes to uh, chronic pain. A lot of chronic pain is the result of chronic inflammation. and the evidence is really quite strong that our diets can contribute to increased system, systemic inflammation. So this is um, from the Department of Nutrition at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health. and But they say y- your diet is one of the best ways to reduce the inflammation. Now, inflammation has a good guy, bad guy role in our health. When you're injured or you get infected, your body signals the immune system to send white blood cells to the affected areas to repair the injury or fight the infection. But when the injury heals or the infection goes away, inflammation normally goes away. However, sometimes your immune system gets turned on and stays on after a crisis is over. And then over time, This can actually damage healthy cells and organs and cause constant pain in muscles, tissues, and joints. So chronic inflammation can also raise your risk for heart disease, diabetes, certain cancers, and even Alzheimer's disease. So what is it about diet and the immune system? So how does your diet fit into all of this? So according to this Harvard um, School study, it's kind of like a domino effect that works in two ways. Your diet can help support your immune system by having it turn on and turn off at the appropriate times. Yet a poor diet can alter your immune system and then it acts abnormally and that contributes to persistent low-grade inflammation. And in fact, there have been other studies that have found that the immune system reacts to an unhealthy diet in the same way it would respond to a bacterial infection. So how a healthy diet directly helps the immune system is not quite understood yet. But there is some evidence suggesting that deficiencies in various micronutrients like zinc or selenium, iron, folic acid, vitamin A, B6, C, and E, may actually alter immune system function. Now, the strongest scientific evidence suggests food rich in a group of antioxidants, which are known as polyphenols, can have an anti-inflammatory effect, and that helps soothe and prevent painful flare-ups. And these foods actually include many of the staples of the Mediterranean diet such as whole fruits, especially all types of berries, dark green leafy vegetables, nuts, legumes, and whole grains. And uh, I will actually give uh, more of a list of the good foods after I tell you more about this because uh, so many of these are rich in micronutrients that our immune systems need, and they actually require to function at a high level. And there's also research suggested that omega-3 fatty acids, which are found in olive oil, flaxseed oil, and fatty fish like salmon, sardines, and mackerel, also can control inflammation. Now, the best a dietary approach, of course, is to help your immune system is variety. We have to um, reduce chronic inflammation. What we want to do is to cut out the bad inflammatory foods and adopt more of a good anti inflammatory kind. So, what are the bad ones? They're processed junk foods, they have low nutritional value. That would include soda and other foods that contain simple sugars like high fructose corn syrup, processed meat, white bread, white pasta, and any foods that are really high in refined carbohydrates. And these are foods that you would want to eliminate for a variety of reasons, not just for uh, chronic inflammation. And what you'd like to aim for in variety would be to break down your regular meal something like this where you'd put half of your plate would be filled with whole grains like whole wheat bread whole grain pasta brown rice along with some healthy proteins like fish or poultry beans and nuts and then the other half should be mostly vegetables along with some fruit and then when you're going to use oils you want to use healthy oils like olive or canola instead of butter or any flavorings or margarine. So you have to keep in mind that to have um, lasting changes in order for your diet to work, you have to do the work. It's not a quick fix pill, uh, but when you change your diet, it has a high potential to help manage and even prevent inflammation, which if we prevent inflammation, then we can soothe chronic pain. So it may come as a surprise that research increasingly suggests that what you put on your plate can either increase or decrease pain that stems from, for example, osteoarthritis or fibromyalgia or bursitis or migraines, or even potentially a chronic lower back pain. And so many people have lower back pain. And that's because pain whether it is acute or chronic results from inflammation as I've said and what you eat and drink either stimulates or quells the inflammation. So all this research is strongly suggesting that our diet contributes to inflammation throughout our body. So that's why we want to choose the right the right diet. Now While this research is showing a connection between diet and pain, again, how it really works isn't completely understood, but it is believed that a poor diet that has these high saturated fats, sugars, and processed foods that are low in nutrients definitely negatively affect your immune system and contribute to chronic inflammation, which in turn triggers the pain. And some studies have even found that the immune system can react to an unhealthy diet similar to the way it responds to an infection, and that means it just is keeping your body inflamed. So there are chemicals like cytokines and neuropeptides and growth factors and neurotransmitters, and they're all produced by the body in response to your diet. And they can affect whether you experience pain where you experience pain and to what degree you experience pain. So what is the diet prescription for pain? So there was recently a review of studies on diet and chronic pain that was published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine. And it did find, as I was saying earlier, that sticking to a healthy diet, such as the Mediterranean diet, is linked to lower levels of markers of inflammation Found in the blood. So, again, to reiterate what the Mediterranean diet is, it's more plant based. It's rich in whole grains, dark leafy vegetables, nuts, legumes, and fruits. And these foods all are very, very rich in nutrients that the immune system needs to function at its peak. And then that diet also includes the olive oil and the fatty fish, you know, the salmon, the sardines, which are rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And that fat has been found to ease inflammation. So if we have inflammation, perhaps just eating more uh, um, items that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, salmon, sardines, mackerel, having some olive oil is going to help. And it's not a quick fix and it's not a cure-all for pain, but it could help. And the good news is it certainly is not going to hurt So in fact, sticking to a plant-based diet can offer even some greater health benefits, such as a reduced risk of heart disease, of type 2 diabetes, of obesity, and even some types of cancers. In other words, a diet to reduce your risk of experiencing pain due to inflammation can also reduce your risk of several diseases and can help improve your overall health. So let me just be clearer on what some of these foods are that you can include in your diet to help reduce inflammation as well as to improve your health. So you want to eat more of the following foods. Whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, soy, berries, cherries, yellow, orange and red vegetables, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, broccoli. In fact, anything in the cruciferous family is important. Onions and garlic, anything in the allium family is important. Salmon, herring, anchovies, sardines and mackerel. And then plain yogurt, and spices. And make sure that you include some cinnamon, ginger, turmeric, rosemary, cayenne pepper, and drink some green tea and eat dark chocolate. So those are the things that we have to increase in our diet in order to be healthier. And things that we need to eat less of include fruit juice, because yes, it's probably sweetened, sugar-sweetened sodas, Sweets like cakes, cookies, pastries, muffins, donuts, brownies, pies, puddings, any processed meat like ham and bacon, sausage, all those lunch meats and all fried foods. So I know when it says eat less of of these juices and sodas and all those sweets and those processed meats, especially the ham, bacon, sausage and the lunch meat and fried foods, people are like, but oh my gosh, I love my fried chicken. And I, you know, I love my bologna sandwich, or I've got to have bacon and eggs in the morning. Well, the eggs are good for you. But you know, you can have you can have those foods once in a while. It's just that you really cannot have them every day if you want to be healthy. So I really try to increase your intake of Mediterranean diet foods and then that way you can lower your level of markers of inflammation that would be found in the blood and hopefully reduce your pain and maybe make an experiment of it of you know on a scale of one to five if you're having lower back pain or knee pain or you know leg pain or wherever your pain is uh, why don't you just switch up your diet a little bit, drink more water, drink some green tea, and eat some of these, these uh, healthier choices of grains and beans and nuts and vegetables and fatty um, omega-3 fatty acid foods and see in a few days how you feel and just make a note of it and see if it does help you um, decrease your pain. I mean, it's worth it to make sure that you are going to be healthier and to reduce your uh, risk of heart disease or type 2 diabetes or obesity and even some types of cancer. So just keep in mind that changes to our overall diet might help with our ongoing pain and that our diet is definitely going to help with the way that we experience life and the way that we can stay healthy. Well, we'll have a business bite when we come back, and then we will be going into the metaverse. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I appreciate you staying with me. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. Back shortly.
0: change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: In today's busy world, text tag and phone tag has become the normal daily routine. But how can you get more mileage from your phone and text time and reduce the extended games of tag? Well, First of all, you if you're going to be calling someone, call when people are more likely to be in. Good times are usually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings. Bad times are definitely Monday mornings and Friday afternoons. And probably the same would go for texting. Whenever the person you're trying to reach isn't in, ask the whoever answers the phone when would be the best time to call back develop alternate contacts in the organization whom you might be able to reach. Be friendly with anyone that you connect with, especially with the secretaries. They are the gatekeepers to the kingdom. And if you are on a telephone call and you're kept on hold for more than a couple minutes, it's best to hang up and telephone back another time. Holding for long periods of time just wastes your time and really does indicate a lack of interest from the other party or or perhaps they are just too busy. And at that point, it might be best to send a text message if you have their mobile phone number to ask them when it would be a good time to have a chat. Now, when you leave a voicemail, make sure that they're friendly and they're short and they are excellent And then you have to know when to quit. Sometimes the other party is just not interested in what you have to say, and they don't want to be a part of it. So remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com.
0: Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376-376, Moraga, California, 94556. bethestarur.org. Dare to care. us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment it's power time on star style be the star you are with your passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryant now back to the power party This
1: well we are going to be talking about the metaverse um In the metaverse, interiors and objects are limitless, giving anyone the power to step into the role of a designer and craft spaces and things that best express who they are. And if there is one narrative that has been consistently marketed, it's that a home is a reflection of the self and designers and consumers alike are always talking about that. And so that's a statement that encourages us to buy products, express ourselves via the things we collect and display in our homes and on our bodies and through our online profiles. And there's some truth to it, right? The stuff that we surround ourselves with holds histories. It tells stories. It even serves as a metaphor for our identities, our lives, our dreams. And this quest for creative individuality has only been magnified by digital platforms and social media from Pinterest and Instagram to TikTok. So like everybody else, uh, people are hoping to broadcast their voices and challenge the monotonous, the fickle dictates of good design and find potential for greater embodiment and self-expression in the digital world. So what do we do? We enter the metaverse to make things even more complex. And while it's not a new concept, the recent buzz around both the metaverse and that's really probably thanks to Facebook's recent rebrand of Facebook to Meta, and the rise of the non-fungible tokens, the NFTs. And if you don't know what those are, because I don't really understand them yet, I don't understand why anybody would want to buy them, but. What they are is they are unique and a non-interchangeable unit of data in the form of photos or videos or audio or art, you know, et cetera, that can be stored on a blockchain that can be sold and then traded. Well, in any case, um, these uh, NFTs have led to an influx of interactive digital design objects and interiors, whether they're online exhibitions, virtual showrooms, And even gatherings hosted in simulated environments. So in theory, the metaverse is a series of locations or is a single location where one can enter a digitally rendered space and move around as an avatar and then interact with all the objects all through virtual, augmented and mixed reality. I mean, it sounds to me like the movie Avatar, right? Now, Facebook, which, of course, now Meta, uh, Mark Zuckerberg describes it as more of an embodied Internet. But in a world where there's no longer a distinction between real and digital, the Metaverse can elicit feelings of both freedom and fear, excitement and apprehension. And for decades, scholars and designers alike have questioned what prolonged enmeshment in virtual reality is going to do to both our mental and physical health. I mean, I personally don't completely understand it. And I really don't think I want to be an avatar just running around in a video game or in a space. But In a best-case scenario, the possibility of the metaverse as a positive, equitable tool for experiment and expression can be examined using the framework of what's called glitch feminism. And that was a concept coined by a New York-based curator and writer, Legacy Russell, in her 2020 book, Glitch Feminism, a Manifesto. And what she wrote was, quote, imbuing digital material with fantasy today, is not a retro act of mythology. it continues as a survival mechanism. So, using the internet to play, perform, and explore still has potential. Giving ourselves this space to experiment perhaps brings us closer to a production and projection of a sustainable future. Unquote. So, she used memoir and contemporary art as an anchor. And so her book actually serves as a black, queer, cyber feminist manifesto for the new digital era that explores how the glitch, and what she means by a glitch is a gap between digital reality and possibility, can be a site of liberation between body, technology, and gender. So, through a series of radical demands, uh, Russell's writing emphasizes that online, one can exist outside the binary thinking of capitalism, outside of white supremacy, outside of heteronormality, or any rigid norms. And they can build an avatar that is fluid, transformable, human, non-human, or have a cyber identity, have digital skins that contain the power to fragment, to shapeshift, and to glitch. And when I was studying this, It was so interesting to see some of the designs that different people are making with all kinds of things where actually um, some are even videos where you you really shapeshift. You can start with clay and then pretty soon you're something else. So in the metaverse, objects are not static. So just like the people and avatars who produce and interact with them, they have the potential to contain infinite versions of themselves. So the prefix meta can connote movement, among other meanings, and it has a sense in many words that denote change and transformation, transcendence, um, as in metabolism, metaphysics, metamorphosis. So this is really an undefined type of virtual reality. And what's really interesting to me about these virtual spaces that are being, you know, being created by people is that the bodies contort themselves endlessly. It's like they have supernatural strength or various robotic or mechanical elements. So the skin can be soft like cotton or it can be breakable like glass. So it depends on its use. The body in virtual space can allow us to change the perceptions we have of it. And when we alter our perceptions we have of the body, we actually alter perceptions of the objects that are scaled to it, potentially freeing them from being passive or being passively used by humans and towards becoming active themes, characters, or even metaphors in the scripts of our personal life. So what does that actually mean? So in the metaverse, for example if I smiled at a chair, the chair could smile back at me. Or if I get up out of the chair, the chair could get up and move around the room and, you know, move with me. So (laughs) I find it. I I have to laugh with all this. I know that people are really, really into it and they love it. Um, And especially if you are a gamer, you're probably already totally into the metaverse. But I still find it a bit unnerving to think that I could dive in as an avatar and you know change into this fluid being. Now, so the underlying functional economy of the metaverse could eventually lead to the design of digital spaces that even more than our social media profiles will serve as a second home. And it would encourage anyone to amass digital currency and then decorate their digital worlds. Um, They likened the idea to millennials sitting at their home's computer, maybe, you know, in the, um, I don't know, what would that be, in the 1990s, maybe, and um, customizing their MySpace pages with original backgrounds and graphics, and they didn't even realize that they were actually changing the code of the page, and that's the thing that in the metaverse, Everyone becomes a designer, whether they realize it or not. So it's also hard to ignore that element of surrealism that pervades so many of these spaces and objects because there's anthropomorphism, there are hybrid forms, there's dreamlike imagery. Everything points to tensions between the everyday and then the unfamiliar, and there's an ongoing collapse of the rational and the functional and a deep exploration into the boundaries of reality and the consciousness. So it's like surrealism, and it's also like science fiction. The material culture of the metaverse is going to underscore inseparability of human and non-human, real and digital, object and person. And by attributing traits and personalities to digital furniture and objects, we are going to be able to unlock a better understanding of ourselves and potential worlds that are not yet possible in a reality that is away from the keyboard. And then ultimately, the spaces and objects of the metaverse might be reflections of self, but Like all technology, they're also going to reflect the society that produces them. And so they're going to have biases. They're going to have power structures. And maybe at the hands of the tech giants, uniqueness is yet another unattainable aspiration. But so far, at the hands of those that are designing them, the interiors and objects of the metaverse defy definition and categorization. And that kind of inches us closer to a design world free from any confines of society's sameness. Now, if you have been involved in doing anything on the metaverse or in these NFTs, um, you can see that the costs are already there. Now, there, I was just looking at, I have to get that information. Okay, here, here's something I wanted to share with you. Okay, so the metaverse is generally regarded as a collective reimagining of the built environment. So it's often compared to the Wild West, with, where anyone with a pioneering spirit and a little bit of crypto can plant their flag and build their own slice of virtual world in whatever form they please. But the reality, of course, is less egalitarian than that, right? I mean, I don't have any crypto. I don't know if you do yet. So, you know, it's it, it's only people that have already gotten into it that are going to do it. So the metaverse is increasingly mediated by the same forces that are controlling real estate in the real world, namely money, access, and knowledge. So already there are speculative crypto investors and real estate companies that are buying large tracts of, in quotes, land in the metaverse, where a parcel of virtual space can command thousands of dollars. And here's the example. There's um, a metaverse, one of the largest metaverse platforms is called Decentraland, D-E-C-E-N-T-R-A-L-A-N-D. Now, the price for a parcel Measuring 52 by 52 feet has jumped to more than $10,000 in the game's highest trafficked virtual districts. And this price surge is largely driven by the hype around Facebook's meta rebrand and other companies like Microsoft, Google and Nike who are investing in metaverse technologies. And it's also a result of basic land economics and the finite nature of the platform's virtual acreage. So Decentraland has stated it will make only 90,000 parcels available. And it effectively is recreating a virtual equivalent to the scarcity dynamics that we see in places here like San Francisco or in New York, where It's so expensive to rent an apartment and buy a house. I I mean, it's just, it is crazy the amount of money. So um, the current metaverse gold rush is like the early days of the web when um, new technologies were striking it big. And so I imagine if you're savvy enough to get in early and, you know, to get, um, to get into crypto, and I, I can't remember. I think when crypto first came, cryptocurrency um, first came, or Bitcoin, I should say. I think it was like one hundred and sixty-five dollars or something, and now, I mean, it goes up and down, but it's something like trading around three hundred thousand, something, something crazy. So. Anyway, um, this is just food for thought. You might be interested in looking into the, metavor- the metaverse and platforms like Decentraland, or there's another one called CryptoVoxels. They govern the world through a series of rules that dictate to varying degrees what parcel owners can build on their land. So <laughs> you have to, like in CryptoVoxels, you have to pay extra to build in color. Um, and in Decentraland, a parcel of land must be must abide by a series of design constraints that allow the platform's wide variety of artwork to render quickly, regardless of, br- of browser speed. So rules can effectively act as zoning regulations, just like in a regular city. And they can determine everything from building height to how close neighboring structures should be. So I find this really, really um, very fascinating And things like structure and materiality and cost and all of that is just going to kind of go out the window. And there is power in a crowd to explore a space possible in designs way faster and with less bias when we all become designers. So that's my take on the metaverse. Do what you will with it. Um, I'm not advocating for crypto or for NFTs. But I do think it's something to be looking in on. So um, this is our show for today. I just want to leave you with a couple of tips for beating the stress that you might be feeling with any of The, you know, Mother's Day coming up or, you know, the end of school or any of the holidays. So the first one is to manage expectations because many people had to skip gatherings in the last couple of years and that created added pressure. So we're all out of practice. So just be realistic about what a successful day and experience will look like for you. Make sure to awaken your inner child. And by that, I mean pay attention to the way kids experience everything. They are so excited. They're focused on playing games and interacting with family. And that enables them to be in the moment and participate with joy more fully. So awaken your inner child. And then create calm in your life by practicing distress tolerance skills. That tricked the brain into keeping panic or frustration from escalating. You know, when you start to stress, just hum a tune because humming causes a vibration in the throat which triggers the vagus nerve to send out a signal that says, hey, chill out. And always set boundaries for yourself. Don't feel obligated to to get stretched too thin. It's okay to say no to requests. Give yourself permission to ask for a moment before blurting out, yes, I'll be there or whatever. You know, prepare prepare yourself because um, you may need to say no and no is a complete sentence. And finally, build emotional vocabulary. If you are feeling angry Use language that reflects degrees like annoyed or irritated or aggravated by choosing a word that matches the intensity you can control over part of the brain that creates that feeling. So thank you for being great listeners and allowing me to be with you every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Network. We do come to you live every Wednesday. And our teen show is on Sundays from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit CynthiaBryan.com. And to get information about Be The Star You Are, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And I hope that you'll make it to our festival and our magic show.